Thank you very much, Pastor Chaz, and good afternoon, everybody. And uh, my usual thing, please say hello to the person alongside you. Oh. Behind you. turn to uh, Luke in chapter 4 while we're doing that. I'll try and uh, speak as well as what uh, Jack does, but uh, my grammar, I'll try and speak very, I think we should call him King George, that's what we should call him. (laughs) All right, Luke chapter 4. The heading of the talk is Stones of Witnesses, which we, are, we will all see that we are. In Luke, in chapter 10 is what I said, didn't I? Not. Luke chapter 10. Sorry about that. Good start. Luke in chapter 10. We're going to read about how that uh, Christ sent out the disciples by two. After these things, verse 1, the Lord appointed other 70 also and sent them out two by two before his face into every city and place whither he himself would come. Very clear message. That's what they did. Uh, Christ at the time said to the people there in verse 2, the harvest truly is great, the harvest of souls, but labour is a few. Pray ye therefore the Lord of the harvest that he would send forth labourers into his harvest. That's you and I, into the harvest which is the world uh, in in endeavour to save souls. As uh, Brian was saying, the great thing there about seeing people's lives changed. Verse 5, he tells them, into what sort of house you enter in first, peace be unto it, this house. And if the Son of Peace, Christ, or people wanting to hear about the things of the Lord be there, your peace shall rest upon it. If not, it shall return to you again, which is very evident in our own lives. We move into people's homes or workplace, and uh, when the word of God is received, that peace comes back to us, and we end up having um, a good night of uh, talking about God and the plan that he has for mankind. When it's not, it's a lot harder to have a conversation, and you will end up trying to look for some common ground and quietly uh, leave the house. Um, and he said in verse 7, And in the same house remain, eating and drinking such things as they give, for uh, the labourer is worthy of his hire, and go not from house to house. So there's a real clear direction uh, that what, what it was to do with these 70 people at the time and, and how they should conduct their lives and what they should expect. And straight away, he, re- he recognised and told them that you're going to go into some homes where people will receive you and into other homes they won't. Anyway, they went and did that. And if we go down in verse 17 of the same chapter, 
and verse 17 and the 70 returned again with joy saying lord even the devils are subject unto us through thy name and he said unto them i beheld satan as lightning fall from heaven so we've got opposition uh, straight away when we preach the gospel the moment you and i open our mouths to proclaim the message of hope and salvation the 70 here were warned uh, you'll be met with opposition you'll go into homes that won't receive you you'll come back rejoicing about the ones that have listened and the power we're a signs wonders and miracle people that's what we are as a fellowship and as an individual you're a signs wonders and miracle person we've already heard the testimonies here this afternoon about God working in, in their lives and in the lives of others. And we've heard their story so well put about what God is doing in uh, Kezia and also with Brian's life. And that's our life. We're signs and wonders and miracle people. And the 70 here rejoiced, but also Christ said, I beheld Satan uh, falling from heaven. So we go to Isaiah, just quite a profound scripture. While you're going to Isaiah, in chapter 14... I think it is in Isaiah 14, just repeating the scripture while you're turning to that. Christ said, I beheld Satan as lightning falling from heaven. Isaiah chapter 14. And it says here in verse 12, uh, it says here, prophecy that we're discussing here that Isaiah was writing, How art thou fallen from heaven, O Lucifer, son of the morning? How art thou cut down to the ground, which didst weaken the nations? For thou hast said in thine heart, I will ascend into heaven, I will exalt my throne above the stars of God, I will sit upon the mountain of the congregation in the sides of the north, I will ascend above the heights of the clouds, I will be like unto the Most High, yet thou shalt be brought down to hell to the sides of the pit." So this Satan uh, was told, he came, as Christ said, he beheld that, indicating that Christ is in the eternities, that he's always been, and he observed a period of time of Satan fighting with God. How that plays out, no idea. But you and I are in the midst of that battle. Your soul, my soul, is the target. Uh, and he says here, verse 16, they that see thee shall narrowly look upon thee. Squinting in what is what it's describing here and consider thee saying, is this the man that made the earth to tremble that did shake the kingdoms? This pathetic man or being whatever, when it's all revealed, that says weakened the nations that we talked there in verse 12. And the, just for a moment, we're going talking about the opposition for a moment. Uh, if we go to Second Corinthians in chapter two, Second Corinthians in chapter two, we'll get past all this bit, but we've got to identify it. Second Corinthians chapter two. And we see here Paul the Apostle writing the church at Corinth. And in context, he was about an individual that was put out of fellowship. Uh, for adultery in, in 1 Corinthians in chapter, in the previous chapters of 1 Corinthians, writing there, and he was put out of the fellowship for that. And then in 2 Corinthians, he's been told to bring that man back. He's been punished enough. 
And uh, in that context, he's talking about, but he's talking also at a greater level. And um, he says here um, in verse verse, uh, 9, For to this end also did I write that I might uh, know the proof of you, whether you be obedient in all things. To whom ye forgive anything, I forgive also. For if I forgave thee anything, to whom I forgave it, for your sakes forgave I it in the persons of Christ, or it says in the sight of Christ, lest Satan should get an advantage of us, for we are not ignorant of his devices. So we're told that when we're witnessing that the opposition will be there, that Christ said he beheld the day that he fell to the earth uh, to, um, to persuade mankind. Isaiah says, is this the one that shook the nations, that made the nations weak? And we're told in the church, as individuals, we're not ignorant of his devices. So what are his devices? It's some of the things in the world, for, for many of us, alcohol, drugs, uh, immorality, words that are in some music, profanity, war, anger, pride, disagreement, lies, deceit, corruption, fears, um, falsehoods, lust, desire, not believing and having a religious facade. Because it says the devils tremble and also believe. We could put under the headings of division. We live in a divided world today. Uh, Back in 1966, just in Australia alone, uh, the, um, the census that we have every few years, in 1966, 90% of people in Australia believed in a God with very few religious um, institutions. Today, there are 13,000 registered um, churches around Australia and only 48% of people believe in God. So we had this big drop in uh, people that believe in God, even though there's been a, an increase in the amount of religions. Why? Because... He gets in people's hearts. We've got religions on every street corner on the face of the earth. And um, it's corrupted from what mankind does. Our heart corrupts it. It starts here. And we can make a religion of anything we like. You like something, you make a religion of it, and people will follow you. And there'll be division. There'll be arguments. There'll be offence. There'll be fear. There'll be pride. And there'll be distraction. And these are his devices that he moves upon mankind. A divided mankind is perfect for him. A mankind that makes agreement with him. If we go to Luke in chapter 4, while I'm reading that, agreements with him. When you get offended, how easy is that to fall off the perch of walking with the Lord? When you fear, how easy is that to crumble under the pressure of being a Christian? Pride, how dare he tell me what to do, or she tell me what to do, and distraction, where uh, it can be any range from anything. So Christ said, go into the world, 70 of them go out, preach the gospel, some houses will receive you, some houses won't, they come back, 
rejoicing that the Lord has, that even the devils were subject to thy name. And he says, I beheld Satan fall to the earth and have his way. And Christ was battling for our soul back then as he continues today to battle for our soul. In Luke in chapter 4, it says here, um, verse 5, this is the agreement that the devil was trying to make with Christ who went into the wilderness to fast for 40 days. And the devil taking him, this is Christ, up into a high mountain and showed him all the kingdoms of the world in a moment of time. And the devil said unto him, All this power will I give thee, and the glory of them, for that is delivered unto me. He was given a certain authority upon the earth. And whomsoever I will give it, that was the, that was the condition as he befell upon the earth now in trying to destroy mankind from having a relationship with God. If thou therefore wilt worship me, all shall be thine. And the agreement that he was trying to enter with Christ, I'll give you power, I'll give you money, I'll give you prestige, I'll give you glory and all the things pertaining unto this life. One condition, one condition, you worship me. And Jesus answered and said unto him, Get thee behind me, Satan, for it is written, Thou shalt worship the Lord God, the Lord thy God, and him only shalt thou serve. If we go down to verse 13, And when the devil had ended all the temptations, he departed from him for a season. If we go to Luke chapter 22. Luke 22, further down in Christ's ministry. And they were trying to work out who was going to be in charge and who was going to be leading, etc. And... Um, Christ made this point here. Verse 26 of chapter 22 of Luke. But you shall not be so, but he that is greatest among you, let him be the younger as the younger, and as the chief that he doth serve. For whether is greater than he that sitteth at meat, or he that serveth, is not he that sitteth at meat. But I am among you as him that serveth. And ye are they which have committed... Uh, continued with me in my temptation, which is direct reference to Christ coming back and constantly tempting Jesus Christ. And I appoint unto you a kingdom, as my Father has appointed unto me, that you may eat and drink at my table in my kingdom, and sit on the thrones judging the twelve tribes of, of Israel. And the Lord said to Simon, Simon, behold, Satan hath desired to have you, that he may sift you as wheat, but I have prayed for you that your faith fail not, and when thou art converted, strengthen thy brethren. There's a message here that tells us that we're constantly being bombarded, we're constantly being tempted. Anybody that says they're not tempted, two words, baloney. <laughs> we all get tempted. Temptation is not the issue. It's when we succumb to our temptation that guilt and regret and condemnation befall our heart. And that's when, you know, the roles of the devil works that way. The joy, of the, Lord is, uh, the joy of the Lord is our strength. If you're not joyous, you feel weak and vulnerable. And Peter here was feeling a little bit vulnerable at the time. And the Lord says, Satan's desiring you, Peter. I can see it. But I've prayed for you. And maybe that's what the Lord says to you and I every day. Chris, Satan desires you. Of course he does. Every day. If he can get me out of the kingdom of God, out of uh, 
the mainstream of, of going out and talking to people and proclaiming the message of salvation is going to get me. If he can work within my mind to make me feel that I'm unworthy, that I'm not good enough, that I'm hopelessly bad Christian, if he can get me to be jealous, if he can get me to be offended, if he can be, get me to be distracted or fearful, he's got me locked in to his way of thinking. And I'm not talking about the devil going around, but he uses my weakness. The Bible says that the law could not bring us to salvation because it was weak, we were weak in the flesh. But Christ came down in the form of a man that he might destroy sin, that we might live in, in the grace of God. So we, we had these great laws, but it couldn't work because of our nature. That's what the Lord says. So he, he came down as flesh to take sin away from you and I so we'd have a chance to at least get there to the kingdom of God. We'd have a good equal right there with the, with the Lord God. And he, you know, he gives us the example of the 70 people going out there. Who, who are these 70? We don't know. Pick anybody in this room that's baptised and filled with the Holy Ghost. You 70, right, out you go. And you come back and rejoice. And Christ, look, be careful. There's also the enemy out there. But go forward and, and proclaim. And then Peter says, And he said unto him, Lord, I'm ready to go with thee both into prison and to death. And Christ said, I tell thee, Peter, the cock shall not crow this day before thou shalt three times deny me that thou knowest me. And we know that's what happened. And Peter felt very condemned that day. He felt very condemned. And this is when Christ was saying, I'm praying for you then. Because you're going to deny me three times. And you're going to walk away feeling wretched about yourself. You're going to feel really, really bad. And at that point of feeling low and miserable and unhappy and condemning and, and hating yourself for what you've done and really despising yourself and really being angry with yourself, at that moment is when I'm going to be praying for you because that's when the, the, the Satan is going to try and really bring you down to a low point so that you're not of any effect to him. He wants to lift us up. That's the power of God in, in our lives. And all the people said... Okay, let's go to um, Proverbs. Sorry, Proverbs in chapter 6. Proverbs 6. It says here, it all starts in our heart. Proverbs chapter 6, verse 16. These... Six things doth the Lord hate, yea, seven are an abomination unto him. A proud look, lying tongue, verse 17 of chapter 6 of Proverbs, hands that shed innocent blood, heart that devises wicked imaginations, feet that be swift in running to mischief, a false witness that speaketh lies, and he that soweth discord among the brethren. There's a mirrored effect here, if I'd like to show you, you've probably read it before, verse 17. Number one, a proud look. The last one in verse 19, he that soweth discord among the brethren, they're mirrored. Uh, a lying tongue, number two of that list in verse 19, a false witness that speaketh lies, those two are mirrored. The third one in verse 17, hands that shed innocent blood. And halfway through verse 18, feet. They'd be swift in running to mischief, the hand and the heart together. But in the middle, 
where it all starts, is a heart that devises wicked imaginations. And in the same way that the devil has a, a mischief imagination and devices, so does Christ for our soul and so do we. So we're the battleground. We've got to choose which way we go all the time, every day. We have to make decisions, what is best for me to be a Christian and to walk with God every day. And when I fail, I've got way, way, a way back in. We're about to have communion today. That's a big one for us. It's, a, it's not mystical. It's not magic. It's not one day more high than the other. But Christ has said, this is where you take communion this is where you remember, and I don't know about you, I'm not saying that I re-equaint myself with God at communion time, but if I've had a bad week, I'd, like all of us, we would all press in a little bit more in our communion time because we want to be right with God. We want to be right with Jesus Christ and we remember his death and resurrection and that gives us hope to continue on week by week. If we didn't take communion, I just think we lose something. There's no law... In anything that we do, you don't have to come to the Revival Fellowship. You don't have to come here, but you do have to do things that are good for your walk. That's what Christ said. I beheld Satan. He's an insipid weakening that has weakened the nations. He's divisive and he wants our soul. My soul, your soul. And if you're not yet being baptised, he doesn't want you to do anything today. Don't get baptised. Don't look at these loony group. Don't, don't do this and don't do that. And everything is don't. But with Christ, everything is do. Do go out. Do go house to house. Do speak in my name because I will work with you with signs, wonders and miracles. Do go to those people that are sick. Do go to that nation that needs to hear the gospel of salvation. Do go to that very uh, wretched person that everybody has rejected on the face of the earth and mankind has said, that person is hopeless. Christ said, do go to that person. Go to the people. Go to the people and talk to them of signs and wonders and miracles. Don't is for the opposition. Do is for Jesus Christ. So do, do go out. Do talk. Do proclaim. Do overcome. And do remember that uh, Christ forgives us everything we do and we need to forgive one another and all the people said let's go to revelations in chapter two how we doing we're doing all right is everybody comfortable warm hot cold just right okay Uh, Revelations in chapter 2. And uh, it says here, He that hath an ear to hear, let him hear what the Spirit saith unto the churches. To him that overcometh, I will give to eat of the hidden manna, and will give unto him a white stone, and his, in his and in the stone a new name written which no man knoweth saving he that receiveth it the manna from heaven uh, that Christ says that he is the bread of life in John chapter 6 a white stone 
The same word that's used in the Mount of Transfiguration, a light that shines exceeding bright, a pebble, a voice, a stone of acquittal, a stone of admission. It's like a ticket. When you go to a movie, you, you give them a ticket and you, you can go into the um, theatre. When you've been acquitted in court, you've got a document that says you're acquitted. No more charges to be made. This stone, and it says here, interesting enough, a new name written uh, that no man says, but it's in the stone. It's not on top of it, it's in it. This bright, white, shining stone that you and I will get when the Lord comes back, he tells us. Or does he? Does he say it when it comes back? Or is it now? This bright, white stone, this Holy Ghost that you have, the stone which the builders rejected, same become the chief cornerstone, which is Christ. The Bible tells us we build up our, our faith praying, praying in the Holy Ghost. Uh, the Lord said we build our life upon the rock, the rock of salvation, this stone that the Lord is using here symbolically in Revelation chapter 2 is a name that is important to you. It's a name that we're just repeating. It's written in a, a new name written which no man knoweth saving to him that receiveth it. Let's go back to Luke chapter 10. Luke chapter 10. A name on a stone, within a stone, a bright, bright, shining stone. Reading out this book of part of Revelations when um, we've said before, and I was talking to Pastor Incy over in, uh, when we were in Vanuatu just recently, and uh, as I mentioned the other week, we prayed for, for a man by the name of Tom who was completely healed, and his son Michael was baptised, filled with the Holy Ghost. And we're talking about this stone. Hey, Pastor Chris, what do you think this means? I said, oh, what do you think it means, Pastor Incy? And um, we looked in Revelations and looked at this stone, and he said something that I thought was very profound. What do you think, Pastor Incy? He said, I think it means. Is that how he talks, Pastor Incy? He said he'd be a millionaire. Even he said he'd be a millionaire um, if he got a dollar every time someone went, Incy, Wincy Spider. He says it uh, when he's here. Ah, oh, I would make very rich man if I got a dollar for every time the children went incy, wincy spider when they hear past the incy. Um, so he was saying, um, "Well, let's read it." Verse nineteen. Behold, I give you power to tread on serpents and scorpions, and over all power of the enemy. And notwithstanding, shall by any means hurt you. So we've been given power because we're doers, we can. Notwithstanding, in this rejoice not, in that the spirits are subject to you, but rather rejoice because your names are written in heaven. And when we receive the Holy Ghost, we get the power of this white, bright stone of the Holy Ghost. And you and I, more than anybody on the entire face of the earth, to, which is the main point here today, witnesses of stone, stone of witnesses, you need to know that your name is written in the Lamb's Book of Life.
today. You need to know. I need to know. And that name that no one else knows, save you and Jesus Christ. Your name is written in heaven. Do you believe that? Do you believe that your name is right now written in the kingdom of God? And that you are therefore told to go out, proclaim and talk about your saviour, your friend, Jesus Christ. Are you convinced, this past unity talking conversation, he says, because you go out, we are signs and wonders of miracle church, and you must pray for people, talk to them and help them, house to house, speak, because your name is written in the book of life, and your name is in that stone, and that stone represents the authority of Jesus Christ, and it's a bright, shining light to a darkened world, and you need to know that your name that no one else knows, is in heaven. Do we believe that And all the people said? Pretty good, isn't it, for past Gentee? Our names, in spite of who we are, in spite of what we do wrong, all the stuff that we can, the litany of things that go wrong in our life, our names are written in the Lamb's Book of Life. Why? Because we got baptised, we repented, the very beginnings of the gospel age, it was not 13,000 registered churches. There was one. Repent, and be baptised, and receive the Holy Spirit. Pastor Jinsey said, another brother says recently, you've got to forgive before repentance. You've got to forgive before repentance. Okay. Christ, while we were yet sinners, died for us. So he forgave us before we repented of our sins that we were living in our life. Christ looked at your life and the age that you came, years and years and years before you repented, Christ forgave you and I. Why? Because he wants us to be the white, bright, shining light, no stains on our soul. We're pure, we're clean now in his eyes. And we can go forward now, proclaim that we have a, a process of prayer, keep ourselves right with him, we have communion, we have each other, we have uh, the authority and the promise that we heard from um, Jack here earlier on, knowing the promises of God. So that we have the impact of the opposition that Christ said, I think that's amazing, I beheld Satan fall from heaven to the earth. I beheld him. I beheld the damage that he's doing, how he's weakened the nations, divides us all into race, into creed, into the haves and the have-nots, into money, into um, people finding it hard to forgive one another, people going through their whole lives, never forgiving. And their soul, therefore, is tarnished as a result of that. And you and I have the great benefit of coming to the Lord now. And, and he wants us to go out and share that. Share that, the, that you can live a wholesome life. Share that, um, you know, we don't have to bear grudges. Share that we can forgive before someone says sorry or repents. That's our power that we've got. That, that's what keeps us so different to everybody else. It's so right to do in the eyes of the Lord. Let's go to um, uh, Joshua quickly. Joshua chapter 4. The time. 
Joshua chapter 4. And it says here about as I'm going from the wilderness, from the exodus to the wilderness and into the promised land. And I'm just going to read this for, just for time. And he was told, Joshua was told to take out 12, 12 men out of the people and tell them, verse 3, to pick up 12 stones, carry them over to you into the place where you lodge. So the river parted. Uh, you go on to Joshua chapter 4. This is a major miracle because a little bit before, uh, in chapter 3, it says that in verse 15, that the Jordan overflowing of all his banks at the time of the harvest. This is a big river, uh, the River Jordan. And the children of Israel hit this river. The waters open up so they can get across and into the promised land. And in that time there, uh, Joshua says, pick up 12 stones in the midst of the river. And uh, so they did that. Uh, verse 5, pass over the ark of the Lord your God into the midst of Jordan and take up every man of you a stone upon his shoulder according to the number of the tribes of Israel, that it may be a sign among you that when you, the children of Israel ask their fathers to come, what meaneth these by these stones? Then you shall answer that the, that the waters of Jordan were cut off before the ark of the covenant of the Lord and when it passed over Jordan and the waters of Jordan were cut off and these stones shall be a memorial unto the children of Israel forever which is this great miracle as they pass through the promised land so they did then verse 8 the children of Israel did as Joshua commanded and took up the 12 stones out of the midst of Jordan and spoke unto Joshua according to the number of the tribes of Israel and carried them over with them unto the place where they lodged and they laid them down there and Joshua set up another 12 stones in the midst of Jordan, in the place where the feet of the priests which bear the ark of the covenant stood, and they are there unto this day. So we've got 12 stones on the bank where people can back then and talk about what meaneth these stones, and we've got another 12 where the priests stood and um, covered over with the water, now they're there unto this day. And Christ is really saying, when we look at the example back there in, in uh, Luke and in, uh, in Revelation, is that we, we've got the stone of witness. It's in us and we've been baptised, we're filled with the Holy Ghost. It can't be seen, just like the 12 stones that can't be seen in the midst of the river. But there is another 12 that can be seen unto the people of this day, it says there. And that's Christ that has gone from uh, his life through the waters of baptism and onto eternal life. And we've got Christ that is alive and we can prove that he's alive because we are assigned one as a miracle church and individuals. That you and I are. And you can look in your life and how many times you've seen a sign and a wonder and a miracle being performed in your life. And you can't see this bright, white, shining, glowing stone, the symbolic of the Holy Ghost, and that you can't see that your name's written in the Lamb's Book of Life, but you know it is because you're following Jesus Christ. You're following the fact that he died and rose again, and he's proved it by entering into the promised land. And he is saying, you are written in the Lamb's Book of Life. I can see your name. And another part there where Moses talks about the children of Israel did wrong, and they worshipped the golden calf. And Moses stood before God and said, God, blot out my name from the book of life. And God said, I won't block out your name, but I'll block out those who are doing wrong by, by the God of Israel. 
In other words, we are answerable to ourselves. God was saying, I'm not going to make you answerable for what others might do. I'm going to make you answerable to yourself so that you as the bright, white, shining light walk through this life and not get into a false sense of security of numbers when God is saying, individually, individually, we're going to stand before the Lord one day. No one around us, no family, no friends, me, God. Lamb's book of life, name, I pray and hope. I want it to be there. But right now, God is saying to you and I that are baptised, filled with the Holy Ghost, overcoming, trying, there's no condemnation to them that walk in Christ Jesus, walk not after the flesh but after the Spirit. We walk on, we try, we make our mistakes, but our names are written in the book of life and all he wants us to do is go to the houses, to the people and tell them. To the low, low people, this word of low life is a horrible saying, but to the poor, to the destitute, to the lonely, to the broken, to your brothers and sisters that need help, be there for them, be there for each other. Because that is what Peter was told by God. Don't be Lord over the people, be a servant, serve me, serve the people, serve each other, and you'll make it into the kingdom of God. And all the people said, Amen. Amen.